Mindfulness Mode 259. It's like a thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. Once you know what you want and what you need, then you can let go of the thousand spoons. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks again for joining me here, Mindful Tribe. Last time, my guest was an attorney who is an elder care expert. She helps clients understand wills, power of attorney arrangements, and other end-of-life decisions. And these decisions, a lot of times, are based on how mindful you can be. This interview with Nicole Whip is well worth checking out. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash 258. Mindful Tribe, it's Thanksgiving here in Canada and I have a huge gratitude list. And you are at the top of my gratitudes. You're one of the very top listings. And you are one of thousands and thousands of listeners and I receive great free feedback from so many of you, how much you enjoy the show. And you know what? I sincerely thank you for that. So that's why as part of my Thanksgiving gratitude to you, I want to gift you a free Mindfulness Mode t-shirt. I'll even pay for shipping. All I ask is that you send me an email to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with one specific aspect of the show that you appreciate. Put t-shirt in the subject line and if you're one of the first 10 people who respond, I'll send you a t-shirt simple as that. And I really want to send out this gift so please send me an email right away to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Today's interview is terrific and I also think of that as a Thanksgiving gift. My guest is so real. He's so mindful and passionate. He's actually known as Mr. Passion. He understands exactly how to reveal passions you didn't even know you had. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview of gratitude and passion with Mustafa Hamwi. Hey, Mindful Tribe. This is a treat today. I have a fabulous guest who has a terrific show. He's interviewed some amazing people in the world, and he's amazing himself. I'm with Mustafa Hamwi. And Mustafa, are you in mindfulness mode? Hi, Bruce. Well, I am now. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's good. It's my pleasure to have you with us. Mustafa Hamwi is recognized as the world's leading expert on passionate leadership. In one year, he's achieved what it's taken others 20 years to achieve. So that's incredible in itself. His amazing success at helping to empower leaders to work and live passionately has resulted in him being nicknamed Mr. Passion. On his talk show, Passion Sundays, Mustafa has interviewed over 180 world thought leaders. Mustafa is based in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai. So, Mustafa, what does mindfulness mean to you? What's that about in your life? I like that question because usually the first thing I do when I'm talking about my area of expertise, passion and, and leadership, I say, what do you define the word as? Because if we don't have common language, then we're talking about different things. Exactly. So for me, for me, I mean, my definition of the world, the word mindfulness has evolved over years. And uh, the best way I could describe it is about being present. Mindfulness is a new term, but I believe it's about being present. 
Absolutely. And you're truly present with your guests. That's one of the things I like. And you're so alive and you're so vibrant and you seem so happy. What do you attribute that to? Where do you get that joy that just comes right through you? Wow, that's a powerful question. Um, I believe it's by tuning into what my passion is, because what I'm doing is my passion. And for me, passion is purpose. So when I'm serving my purpose, I believe just the the universe channels through me. And it's funny that uh, some of the interview, well, not some of them, actually, almost all of them, except maybe for one or two out of 180 interviews, were non-prepared. Oh, is that right? I mean, all of them. All of them. I have not prepared a single interview of those. All of them were done on the go. And I'll tell you another secret. I've recently reached a point where I do about 30 of those a day, 30 face-to-face interviews in a day in nine-hour span. Wow, 30 in a day. That's unbelievable. Wow, you must yep. be exhausted and- at the end of that. Or are you, are you empowered? No, I can't sleep. That evening, I can't sleep. I get tired the next day. I wake up. I wake up a bit exhausted. Uh, I wake up actually like, ah. Oh, but but it's it's like you know doing heavy lifting for a day. But in the evening, I actually can't sleep. I'm very high because one one session feeds the next, and one session feeds the next. And I've realized a key element in doing that is that I'm so present and it puts me in such a state that I'm just there for the interview and nothing else. Suddenly time starts moving in slow motion and I'm just in the moment, every single moment. Well, I totally identify that with that. When I speak, when I go out and do presentations, which I do very often, that gives me my energy. I just feel building, 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 building. And on the flip side of it, when I'm in my studio on my own, just by myself, working at the computer, doing things I have to do, I feel the energy going down the other way. So I find my energy with people just like you do. Now, I want to talk about your interviews, and I want to ask you this. When you think about all those amazing interviews you've done, what pops into your mind? What story, what person, what situation pops into your mind that you can share with us? Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) Okay, let me see. Well, the first, I'd say the first thing that came, I mean, remember, I've done 180 one-to-one interviews, so that's a big library for it me to is. go through in my head. But I, I, I'm going to trust my my presence in the first answer that came out. And it was a meditation that Dr. Marshall Goldsmith taught me. Dr. Marshall Goldsmith is world's number one executive coach. Uh, he coaches 150 out of Fortune 500 uh, CEOs. He's a very well-seasoned man. He's actually a Buddhist, and he's a firm believer in in leadership that is natural, not not uh, textbook type. Okay, so he talked with you about meditation. What did you learn about meditation from from Dr. Goldsmith? So I'm on an interview, and I go, so Dr. Marshall, so how do you how do you actually keep this energy? I mean, I, I said it politely. I said, how do you keep all this energy? I mean, you've just came out all the way from the States to Dubai. It's probably, what, 12-plus hours flight, and you did a, a full day of seminar, and now you're sitting with me on the interview, and you're still on fire. How do you do that? He goes, well, I have a little meditation. Do you want me to teach it to you? I said, of course I would love to learn it. That's all live on camera. Yes. He goes, okay, do this. So I do this. So you can do it with me. Yes, do this. I will. Mm. 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 There. 
There's no business like show business. It's showtime. <laughs> and I actually, yeah, I started laughing. Me and him were doing this on camera. I'm like, no, seriously. He goes, seriously, this is the meditation that I do. Because you just have to realize that when you're in the business of serving people and providing value to the world, you are in show business. You don't get somebody waking up in the morning and, and who's running a country like a president wakes up, oh, my foot hurts today. I don't want to I don't want to do it. He goes, listen, I mean, you go to a Broadway show, these, he, he says this in words, he says, these kids make a fraction of what you make and they have to make the show every single day. So you have to really remind yourself to be present and understand that you have a bigger purpose to serve and you have a mission to serve. And the best way to do that and to be present for it is to say it's showtime. Well, it is showtime. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, to remember that no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on outside, no matter what is happening, you just have to move forward. So that's a good point. Yep. How do you help people, Mustafa, find their passion when people are searching and they feel like they've just exhausted every avenue? How do you then help them find their passion? Wow. Okay. I love your questions. Well, I've got actually two questions that I can help people find their passion with. These are, I'd say, the best of the best of the best of everything I've done. So I've, I've spent years researching passion and then came up with something called the passion journey. In the passion journey, there's a passion discovery module, which, uh, which asks about 40 deep diving questions that get you to reflect on your life. However, out of those, there are two. And the reason there are two, because I, I like to use the polarities of yin and yang. So one is a yin question, one is a yang question. And these questions will make people actually, if anything, become very present and mindful when they're answering. Okay. All right? Yes. So would you like yeah, us to run them now? Absolutely, I want to hear them, yes. All right. So the first question is, okay, I want everybody who's listening to go grab their checkbook. If they've got a checkbook, pause the episode, go grab a checkbook and come back. And if not, just close your eyes and imagine a checkbook in front of you. And in the namespace, I want you to see your name there. So two, and write your name in the namespace. And then in the date space, write today's date, whatever the date is today. And then in the number space, I want you to write $1 billion. That's one and nine zeros. And then see the letters $1 billion spelled out. And then go ahead and sign that check. Tear that check out of the book. See, I love the smile. Like even when I'm doing it, every time I get a big smile, tear that check out and look at it in front of you. You've got a check in your hand with your name, current dated for a billion dollars. Okay? Kiss that check. Deserves a kiss, no? I mean, fold it, put it next to your heart. And then take a deep breath. And with the knowledge and the knowing that you've got a billion dollars in your pocket, what would you want to do with your life? Oh, what a great question. And you want me to I mean, answer if, if that? The, but all of our listeners well, answer that to yourself. What would you do? Answer that to yourself. What would you do? What would you do with your life? I mean, you've got a billion dollars because this question is going to, for a moment at least, stop your brain from jumping all over the place. There's no more worries, no more concerns. Everybody that you love is taken care of. Anything you want can be. There's no excuses. There's no story. Suddenly, your brain is actually going to slow down for a moment. And in that moment of clarity, your heart's going to speak out. Whatever comes out in that moment is the truth. Well, I'm excited. 
because I know yeah. what came out in my in my heart. Beautiful, and beautiful. So that must mean I'm on the right track because my desire is yes. to share the idea of mindfulness with the world, with the mainstream world, with people that never thought that it made any sense. They had just thought it was woo-woo. They thought it wasn't scientific enough. I want to share these ideas with everyone, with the world, and I would create a nonprofit in order to do that even more than I'm doing Beautiful. already. Beautiful. And, you know, I am on a, on a similar path. I am doing what I'm passionate about, which is inspiring 7.7 million people to pursue a passionate life in whichever means they can by 21st December 2020. So I am on that path and I want to travel the world and spread my message. So and I hope everybody else who's listening to me is either on the right path or at least got an answer now. What is the right path so they can pursue it? Because here comes the second question. OK, that's right. right. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. So the second question is. Can anybody, yeah, t everybody take a deep breath. Mm. All right. Can anybody guarantee living another month? I'm assuming the answer is and no. The answer is definitely no. A, a week? No. A day? Not even a day. We can't guarantee an hour? that. To the end of this episode? We can't guarantee it, can we, Mustafa? No. Well, if, if we can guarantee it with the realization that this could be the last breath of your life, what would you regret not doing? Hmm. I think for me, it's just I would regret not getting my voice out there as much as possible, not, not sharing what I can share, what God has given me to share with the world, God, the universe, whatever, you know, word you would fill in the blank there, whatever I have been given, I believe it's my purpose and my responsibility to share it with the world. Yeah, well, here you go. I mean, in between these two questions, one is going to give you the ultimate resources and the other question is going to take everything away from you and leave you with a moment to reflect on your life, which is probably going to happen at a certain age. Eventually, we all die. And whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, you're going to get to that moment where you're taking the last breath of your life and you're going to go, what have I done with my life? Well, why do you have to wait? Just take one deep breath and realize that this could be it for you and ask yourself, what am I waiting for? If you've got the billion dollars, you know what you want to do. And once you know it could be the last breath, you're going you're gonna to be running like crazy to make that passion and that dream come true. And that's what gives you the drive. That's why you're running like crazy to 2020, December 21st. And where did you get the 7.7 yep. .7 million? Where did you get that number? Uh that's a, that's a funny one. I mean, I don't have a, a, a big scientific logic behind it. I'm a big believer in numerology. Right. And when I came, I wanted such a big number that was inspiring enough, like that big, hairy, audacious goal. I wanted a big number, and I like seven. I believe seven is an infinite number. In a lot of the spiritual teachings, seven is the number of infinity. So it doesn't actually mean seven. If you say seven, 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 it means up to infinity because, you know, once you reach seven, it, it, there's infinity there. And, uh, you know what's a funny story? I said this number and I started talking about it. And when I was interviewing Professor Tony Buzan, the inventor of mind mapping, after the interview, we're talking and I shared with him my goal. Uh, in, and he said, you want to inspire 7 million people? I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to tell me I'm over ambitious. What am I going to do all of this? He goes, 
how about 700? And I'm like, uh, 700 what? He goes, 700 million because there's 7 billion on the planet. You know, 7 million is nothing. 7 million over 7 billion, you're not doing a big right. thing. How about 700 million? I go, uh, yes, that would be awesome. And that's a bit too big for me. I can't do it on my own. He goes, no worries, we'll do it together. So you see, suddenly when you put such a big goal in your life that you think is way too big, you don't know what the universe does to bring the right people exactly. on track, on your way to be able to help you on that journey. The thing is, you got to be really truthful about it. You got to mean it because it's not going to be easy. And trust me, my journey is anything but easy. Well, and true. I think that's that's true with all of us. Our journeys aren't necessarily easy, and I don't think easy is a is an important part of it. It doesn't need to be easy. I know that you know. Recently, I was invited to San Diego to go and share some of my knowledge about podcasting and about what what I do and my passion and and so on. And I thought, well, should I really go? And and can I fit this in? And is it going to cost me a lot of money? And you know, what should I do here? And and uh, so anyway, when I booked the flight, I thought, yes, I booked the flight. And I had points that I was able to apply, and the flight cost $77. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> definitely a sign. This is where I'm supposed to be, you know. And so I'm excited. Good. I'm going there in a couple of days, and uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. But t- let's talk about minimalism. Are you, are you a person who keeps your belongings at a minimal amount and that kind of thing. Does it, does that relate wow. to passion? That's what I want to know. Like if, if we get Beautiful. ourselves so in, you know, intent on, you know, gathering possessions, cars, homes, possessions, is it still difficult to have the same passion or does that sort of bog us down? Wow. That's a tricky question though, because it depends on what your passion is. If your passion is cars, then you're probably going to accumulate a lot of cars, okay? Yes. So uh, I'm going to answer this this question with a fine print that says, well, aside from if the fact that your passion is to accumulate certain things, right. that's a different story. Yes. Uh, when you know what is important in your life, it is very easy to let go of what is not important. So you see, this is the trick. The trick is not – the mind is a hoarder. Okay. Remember that the mind is a hoarder because the mind gets value from accumulating things. And that includes knowledge, by the way. The mind likes to gain knowledge because the more knowledge it gains, the more important it feels. Okay. So the mind is a hoarder and it needs to hoard something, whether it's tangible or intangible. So in that aspect, and I'm being a bit too metaphysical here, you can hoard knowledge or you can hoard cars. You're still following a pattern at the end of the day. And you know, there's a level of difference between knowledge and wisdom. And you realize the wise people are not necessarily as knowledgeable, but they just know exactly what they need to know. They don't, they don't need to have so many PhDs and so many books and so much knowledge. They use all of this as a, as a segue or to build a bridge to the place they want to be, which is the place of wisdom. And in that context, you become wiser when you know what is more important in your life and what is your true passion. So I'm a transformed person. I went on a journey of transformation throughout my life and I bought a one-way ticket from a, a different lifestyle that I was living to a new lifestyle. And in the previous lifestyle, I was hoarding a lot of unnecessary and unimportant things. And 
I had to let go of all of that and rebuild myself from scratch. And once I found what is my true passion, I am still in a way a hoarder, but I like to hoard knowledge. Okay. I like to I like to hoard uh, information. I like to hoard valuable relationships with people that are truly inspiring for me, not people that are just adding to my social setting because of my image and my everything. So in a way, you need you know we live in a world in a, in a fairly materialistic world. We are we are using microphones, we're using laptops. So eventually, I'm not calling everybody to just buy that one way ticket and stay in India. Otherwise, I would have stayed there. I came back and I had to integrate in the world and you need to find that balance point between the materialistic and the aspirational. It's not an either or question. So I'm letting go more and more of things that are unnecessary in my life. However, I am slowly replacing them with things that are necessary and and important. And the more you do that, the less you need because it's like a thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. Right. Once you know what you want and what you need, then you can let go of the thousand spoons. But until then, you're going to hold on to the thousand spoons. So the best way to, to be a minimalist is to actually figure out what you want in life. Great answer. And has that increased your level of happiness? Uh, okay, now you're getting me to another question. And the answer is yes and no. Because I do not pursue happiness anymore. Okay. Because the pursuit of happiness is bringing sadness. And I'll explain to you why in the next answer. However, that has increased my level of fulfillment, not my level of happiness. I was actually probably very happy in my previous lifestyle. I cannot deny that I was not happy or I was happy. You know, I was really happy, but I probably was not fulfilled. You see, happiness in general in life is related to desires, correct? So when you desire something, you desire a car, you get it, you become happy. You desire a food, you eat it, you become happy. A hot guy desires a hot girl, he has her, she has him, and they they become happy. Well, here's the thing. Desires are endless, correct? Yes. And the more desires you get, the more you will desire. Right. And in this context, how much wood is enough to feed a fire? There's no answer to that. And that's the thing, is, is the pursuit of happiness, and this is what nobody's realizing in the world, the pursuit of happiness is making you sad because the more happiness you pursue, the more you're going to end up putting more wood into the fire, then your desires keep getting bigger, and the bigger your desires want, the bigger the desires that are coming are, and the less there is in the world that makes you feel fulfilled. And, and that's the nature of life because there's a yin and yang energy and there's that energy that's going to, you know, w- the more you have of the positive, the more you're going to end up having of the negative. That's the price you have to pay, the equilibrium. Is there any difference between fulfillment and contentment? Yes. What's the difference? Yes. That's a very good question also. So the thing about fulfillment, let me explain to you where the word comes from. Fulfillment if you break it down, it's three syllables. It's fulfillment. So take out the ment part. It's to fulfill. And if you switch the word, it's actually to fill full. Okay. So fulfillment comes from you filling full that which you perceive as empty inside of you, which is a calling that you have. Okay. So you become fulfilled when you fulfill your mission, and notice how it's kind of an infinity loop because when you fulfill your mission, you become fulfilled. And the more you are fulfilled, the more you would want to fulfill your mission. Right. 
and this is where fulfillment comes from. It's constructive, different to happiness. It's a it's a positive loop that generates more energy. So I feel fulfilled when I'm doing my interviews. And that's why I got to doing 30 interviews back to back. But every interview is fulfilling me more. And then I get more energy for the next one. So you see the energy is going up. On, on a journey of happiness, actually the energy is volatile. And some a lot of times there's a marginal value drop. When you're trying to pursue happiness, it's it, you know we've studied this in economics. The first glass of water when you're thirsty has higher marginal value versus the tenth one. For sure. With fulfillment, with fulfillment, it doesn't work this way. It's actually the opposite. The more you're fulfilled, the more you're able to overflow because it fulfills you. Contentment, on the other hand, where there's nothing wrong with contentment because you do need contentment, but it doesn't have the driving force. Okay. Because when you are content, you would sit where you are. However, with fulfillment, there's that driving force forward for you to manifest and create stuff. So with contentment, you may not have the passion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you need to be content. There's a point. Contentment is a, is a, a, a limiting, and it's not a negative thing to say. It's, it's a limiting word because you have to get content at a certain point. If you don't get content, you're going to keep drinking water till you die. So there's a point where you have to drink and say, okay, I'm content now. But it doesn't mean you're fulfilled. And I don't think we came into this planet to be content. We need to understand and apply contentment in the process of certain things in life. So when we eat, we need to be content. When we reach goals and success in life, we need to be content. When we achieve anything, even on a journey of fulfillment, so we need to be content. So as much as I'm aspiring to inspire 7.7 million people, I am content and fulfilled every time I inspire one more person because that's part of the journey. So I have to be content with the one individual that I'm adding to the list while I'm on the journey of being fulfilled by the full 7 million. Fascinating. I really, really enjoy talking with you and hearing your answers to these questions. I want to do a shift. I want to talk to you about the topic of bullying, which I've worked in for some time. Have you ever been bullied either as an adult or a child? Or do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Amazing. I mean, look, I don't think there's anybody in this life that has not been bullied. And you know, the most bullied people in life are bullies themselves, actually. There are people who have been bullied maybe at home or at some stage in their life, and they had an adversary protective reaction. So in a way, I feel empathetic with them that they had to go through a certain experience and maybe they're bullied at home and they go out, go back to school and get it out on their friends in school. But bullies exist everywhere in our life. Number two, I just want to be clear. Most of us are also bullies in one way, shape, or form. You know, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to get self-righteous here, including myself. We do bully certain people certain ways. And a lot of times we do it passively rather than aggressively. So if somebody is in a place of power, somebody is in a place of fame, we can easily bully somebody much easier than someone else who has to force themselves. There's power, there's fame, there's money, there are a million ways to bullying. So just to be clear that in a way, everybody does a bit of that bullying. And if we're present both ways, bullying would become a lot calmer. And by us being present, we can calm ourselves first. And then we can help the other person become because at the end of the day, the person bullying us has a certain reason why they're doing what they're doing. They, they have their own trigger. Yes, at the end of the day, it's not my problem why that person is feeling like this. However, sometimes fighting fire with fire is not the best approach. No, it doesn't and, often And work. easier said than done. Acknowledge, look, I mean, just to be clear, I'm passionate, okay? 
And if I'm passionate, you understand passion is energy. So when I'm, when I'm angry, I'm angry. And when I'm upset, I'm upset. And if I'm in a, in a mode where I feel I'm being bullied, oh my God. I mean, I can tell you stories throughout my life. I've been bullied when I was back in Syria. I ended up, I was about 16 and I ended up in a fight, me and my friends, where we fought with kids of military officers. And these kids went in and got soldier, soldiers. They got literally 17 soldiers to beat us up with chains. Oh, whoa. I mean, it just came up to me now what I'm telling you. I mean, I, I, I totally took that out of my memory. For a period, that killed me because I felt oppressed. I felt, you know, this is beyond bullying. I don't know what you'd even call that. That's not bullying. That's literally, I mean, it's not even a proportional fight. It's not a kid at my age. Right. I was a 17-year-old kid being beaten up by soldiers. So that being said, that incident itself gave me a drive to move out of Syria and explore a better future somewhere else. And probably had it not been for that incident, I would have still been living there. And I wouldn't be who I am today. So being present, I think, I, I can't give you a specific incident or a story because probably the times that I was bullied in my life, I was not as present as I should be. And a lot of times now, if I am bullied, I got bullied in a business when a few years ago, my business crashed with the crisis and then I had some of my partners were not as, as ethical as they should have been and they basically screwed me for my money. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got bullied for my money. So that was a different form of bullying. And I was not as present as I should. That triggered me to buy my one-way ticket to India or one of was one of the reasons that triggered me to buy my one-way ticket to India. I mean, one of them was I was frustrated with my life and then when all of this happened, I started doubting all the purpose in life and everything. So in a way, I don't know if I should tell people they should always be present during bullying because sometimes you won't be able to, to be honest with sure. you. That's my own opinion. You, you might not be able to. However, you need to be present on the journey that happens after that bullying incident because maybe that bullying incident is meant to propel you in a certain direction which is better for you than where you are now. Sometimes you need to stand up and fight. Sometimes you need to step away. And sometimes you, you just need to walk away. Interesting. Yeah. Great answer. And it relates to suffering, I think, that, that sometimes we just need to suffer in order to move to the next place in our life, which is another topic which I'd love to spend time talking with you. But I want to shift and I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And we'll just zoom through this. The first one is this. Who's one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life, Mustafa? Oh, wow. Amazing question. I would say my Swami in India. So when I bought my one-way ticket to India, I met a Swami who's been in caves for 13 years. Wow. So, I mean, I can tell you a story. We can do a full interview just about my time with him. However, that person definitely shifted my mind about what mindfulness is because for, for some odd reason, on the contrary to most of the teachers that I came across before that were teaching meditation, yoga, mindfulness, and all of these things, he was the most grounded. Everybody else was teaching from here okay. what you should do to be mindful. Right. Yeah. So, however, he the way his uh, his real life application to it was phenomenal because he was wise, and I understood what it meant to be wise, and to be wise is to be in the moment. Ah. And in turn, you are wise. So that's uh, my next question is this. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Wow. Uh, a very important question. It, had, it has helped me to be more observant of my emotions. And as I said, I am very passionate. So when I'm upset, I'm very upset. When I'm having a bad day, I'm having a very bad day. I do everything with passion. 
Okay, so being more mindful has allowed me to be more observant and slowly I have learned to be less judging of my emotions. So I'm, I'm no longer in that space of, well, you have to be mindful means you, you shouldn't be angry. No, I don't agree to that. If I'm angry, I'm angry because guess what? If somebody smashes into my car, I'm going to be angry. It's just that I've learned to accept my anger as a natural reaction and watch it till it just goes up and it comes down again rather than try to fight it. Because when I was fighting it before, it made it more difficult. So now if I'm having a bad day, I just let it be a bad day. But today's a bad day. Today's a bad day. I'm just present and watching. Presence means acceptance. It doesn't mean, oh, it has to be positive. Right. Just allowing those things to happen. Tell us how breathing yeah. is part of your mindfulness. Whoa. Well, I mean, breathing is everything. Let me put it this way. If, if you cease to breathe, you cease to exist. So the ultimate mindfulness is the ultimate breathing. And you know what I learned that funny enough? I learned it when I did Vipassana. Okay. So for those who don't know Vipassana, Vipassana is the Buddhist meditation technique that Buddha used to get enlightened, which is simply the induction course is they put us in a hall for 10 days and all we do is observe our breathing. So if anything, all I do every single morning is I just wake up and I do about 20 minutes of Vipassana. And I do a lot of other breathing exercises, but Vipassana is a core, which is interesting because you say, listen, you've been sleeping all night and you just wake up and sit and observe your breath. Yeah, because when you're sleeping, you're unconsciously meditating. And when you're sitting, you're consciously observing your breath. And that's kind of putting, putting the reins in on my head and saying, yo, sit down. You move when I want you to move. And, and this is more of a practice than it's actually about the sitting itself. Right. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be, Mustafa? Well, it's an interesting one because at the end of the day, mindfulness is about being mindful. So I could recommend a hundred books and if you're not mindful right. while you're reading them, they, they'd be useless. However, a classic that would be pretty much mid-range that everybody could read is uh, The Power of Now for sure. And if there's a recommendation, actually, here's an interesting thing. I don't, you know, I consume about 30 to 50 books a year, but I don't read any of them. I listen to them on Audible and I always get books that are narrated by the author so I can hear their own voice because it helps me be present with their state, not my state. So the power of now, if you get it, when you listen to the author, He's got a very interesting tonality in the way he said it. Sometimes it actually could get you to sleep. He's like very hypnotic in his voice. So I would recommend if you want to do it, get it as an audiobook. And it took me, it took me about three times of listening to it till I connected with it. Ah, yeah, good recommendation. If you could uh, share an app which helps you or other people you know to be more grounded and more mindful, what would that be? Hmm, interesting. I think I, I, there's not a specific app, to be honest with you, that I would personally recommend. I've tried a few of them. None of them personally connected with me. And the reality is whether it's an app or you do your own meditation, all it is, it's about practice. So you need to find something that helps you practice. And in my opinion, something without, I know it's harder at the beginning, but remember, I mean, I all my life I've been taught by the best of the best and the gurus of the gurus. So I've learned the hard way. So I can only recommend hard ways, which is just sit and learn to observe your breath. It is hard at the beginning and it's like weightlifting. The more you do it, the better you get at it. The first time I was meditating, five minutes was torture. In five minutes, I would check my phone five times. So every 60 seconds, I'm like, is it over? Oh my God, still three minutes. Oh my God, still two minutes. And then I went and spent 10 days in Vipassana. 
for somebody who's hyperactive, OCD, ADHD, all the uh, you know letters you could use. And then when I did the 10 days with Passion, I just got the stamina to sit down and observe my breathing. So I wouldn't recommend an app as much as, as a daily discipline. The app, any app will be good as long as it helps you do the daily discipline. But if you get an app and you're casual about it, forget about it. It's not going to help you. Right. Well, good advice. I'd love to talk to you so much about many of these topics. Did you have fear when you went to Vipassana, when you signed up, when you made that decision to do it? Yeah. Oh my God. That was, I mean, remember you're talking to a person who, I mean, all this passion today is called passion, but back then it was, it was OCD and attention deficit hyper disorder and a lot of energy shooting in different directions. And I was hardly inducted into meditation and all of this. So you can imagine just the concept of me sitting in a room and not talking. Yes. Is, is and, and, and now I'm a speaker, so I talk for a living. However, now I've gained a little bit more control over choosing the status that I was in. The one thing, though, that worked for me is I've always been a bit of an extremist in a way that if I decide on one thing, I'm going to do it. It's a do or die situation for me. So I had to make a decision before I get into Vipassana. And I said, I'm not leaving until the end of the 10 days because people break down by the third day and by the seventh day. So I said, listen, I don't care what's going to happen. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I've just made that decision. I'm not coming out for 10 days. Let it be. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die inside. And this is how serious I was about it. But that being said, I do extreme sports for fun. So I, I do skydiving. I jump out of planes. So don't take the advice of somebody who jumps out of a plane for fun. <laughs> well, it has been fun talking with you, Mustafa. I've really enjoyed Likewise. it. Loved your wisdom. How can we learn more about what you do? How can we stay connected with you, Mustafa? Uh, I would love to uh, connect with all of your audience so uh, they can all go on my website. That's mustafa.com, M-O-U-S-T-A-F-A.com. And I would love to give everybody a gift, uh, a copy of my ebook, Mastering Passion. So that's a very short reading with a few infographics about passion. It talks about my India journey and it talks about the definition of what passion really means and why and how you should pursue passion. And once they, they go on the link, which I'm going to provide you, they will get the ebook and they will be automatically subscribed to Passion Sunday so they can watch a lot of these interviews. Great. So how do we get this free gift? Uh, I will create a special customized link called, uh, which will be mustafa.com forward slash mindfulness. Excellent. So that'll be a unique link to your listeners. So it'll be set up in the next couple of days. So by the time the uh, podcast is up and running, the link will be there. And I will put that link right into our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. You can go there. You can check out all the links and, and all the details of this episode. So Mustafa, this has truly been a gift. I am so grateful for being connected with you. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing everything with Mindful Tribe. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really honored. And honestly, it's been an awesome interview. Loved all your questions and, and loved the state of mindfulness we were at. I mean, look, time flew and we didn't feel it. it so did. It did. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Yeah, bye now. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.